Hey everyone, welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Chelsvik. I'm the other one, Matt Drury, and we dropped Mark Drury. We just, you know, we thought... We had to make some cuts. He didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark. He doesn't have the knowledge that we need and share on this show, frankly, so we felt like we... <laughs> Just get rid of the cut I the think fat. You and I may both be gone by this time next week. <laughs> they ain't getting rid of me, but you. I can't speak for you. <laughs> right, right. Who is that Tim guy? Actually, your grandma would be a great person to have back in here. Yeah. Holy cow! What an awesome show that was. Yeah, grandma. She she didn't she didn't hold back. She I didn't know any how words. she'd do. Yeah. Well, and you, you never quite knew what she was gonna say because. Well, that's just with all older people right like that's the beauty of it they don't care (laughs) i still remember so christmas day we went to my family like my grandpa's house and we did christmas with with that side of the family and i was in high school and i had like the biggest zit on my nose and as a high schooler you you know everything about conscious yeah yeah exactly and the first thing my grandpa said was oh hey rudolph how you doing (laughs) (laughs) i was like you got to be kidding me. Yeah, they don't hold back. So She <sighs> no. was awesome. And that story about Mark and, and her, him grabbing her arm and saying, you got to be quiet, that, I thought that was – that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's like good luck with that. Yeah. So, anyways, it's been, uh, it's been one of those winters where it keeps snowing everywhere, especially kind of in the Midwest, the North. And, you know, this should be shed season right now. We're kind of to the point where we always try to hold off until – early to mid-March yep. when we got like literally this is the time that we would really start getting hot and heavy on it mm-hmm. but um there's snow on the ground for a lot of people and so makes you, it really hard it does make it really tough um and uh so you know we got a guest today that I think can probably shed a little bit of light pun intended hey <laughs> on uh on the process of when when deer actually do shed and why and maybe even get into the fact of what what kind of nutrients minerals you know whatever that they would need to try to help the new antler growth that basically starts i think and he'll correct me if i'm wrong once he gets on here but it starts as soon as they drop the old ones i think so uh we'll find out yeah maybe from, I may, from a real scientist I, I, I might be really talking out of the wrong end here but <laughs> we'll find out soon enough people <laughs> yeah. let us know if you're wrong so let's get to it let's do it so we've got tim newman wildlife biologist from analogics joining us via skype hello tim welcome to the show hey guys thanks for having me it's it's really great to have an actual scientist on so maybe tim talk about your your education and your training and your role there first i gotta know was i right or was i wrong on on antler growth on antler growth does it begin as soon as they drop the other one literally it doesn't start like popping out of their head as soon as they shed but the process begins that they're starting to rob some nutrients from their skeletal system that are going to be earmarked for antler growth. That's pretty much what you were going to say. I said it just that way. I I don't know if the the, the editors may have cut that out, but that's how I said it, guys. (laughs) Let's go with it. (laughs) So, I mean, I I had some deer that shed in late December this year, or it'd be last year now, but, Uh um, you know, they're, they're not going to be popping velvet in February. They're still going to be waiting until the, um, later in the winter to actually grow in the velvet antlers. Well, so I, and I know we're wanting to kind of hear the credentials here, but so we had a deer, the deer that I killed the, the one called gnarly from dad's farm, it shed super late. It was like the last set that they found last year, Mm -hmm. but he, you know, what was super late? Was that, uh, I think it was late March, early April when they found it. And the, and they found the match sets right near, uh, where, where dad stays actually. And so anyways, they, um, 
you know, it's crazy the amount of growth that that deer had in that short of period of time because he grew like 30 inches. So, you know, I, I wondered, my question is, does that necessarily matter when they drop? Because, you, you know, I kind of think most people would assume if they drop early, it's just more time to kind of build up towards a bigger rack. Yeah, I think you're wrong. Obviously. Yeah, not, not necessarily because they, they can catch up and grow a full set of antlers in a shorter period of time. So there, there's actually been studies where they manipulated the light levels that deer in a uh, pen were getting. So they would like fake them into thinking that the, the year was only 180 days long or the year was, you know, 800 days long. So they, they could grow two sets of complete antlers in one year Whoa. just by manipulating the light. Well, and th- that's something people talk about the weather and the temperature a lot as it relates to when deer drop their antlers, but really it's about photo period, right? Right. Well, that's yep. good. Yeah. We just figured that one out. I don't think we did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Tim, how do you, how did you arrive at the place you are now with all this whitetail wisdom? So I started when I was in, uh, you know, my young years, I, I would, feed deer in the backyard behind my parents' house. And, uh, that really grew my love of the whitetail. That was even before I could, uh, legally hunt. Cause in Minnesota, we had to be 12 in order to hunt. So I was feeding deer in my backyard when I was like six to 12 and just got an appreciation for deer and their behaviors. And, and that led me to talking to the counselor in high school and wanted to get a degree in wildlife. So I went to the university of Wisconsin, Stevens point, which is the, the largest undergraduate school in the nation as far as wildlife program okay so they have what's called the wildlife society and they bring you know 150 kids every tuesday night to their wildlife society meetings and it's just the place to be if you want to start off with a good wildlife career sounds like a party crew if you ask me (laughs) yeah (laughs) get pretty wild at those meetings (laughs) it was it was pretty fun yeah uh but that got my first exposure to you know the scientific part of whitetails and you know, started trapping some deer up there. We had some clover traps and, you know, just getting hands on some wild deer. And mm-hmm. that experience led to the graduate d- program that I got into at Auburn University. Um, that was an, an amazing um, project that I was tasked to tranquilize deer inside a research facility that was 450 acres. So basically I was catch and release hunting for two and a half years of my life. So you're shooting a rifle that shot sedative darts? Yes. Fun. How, what's mm-hmm. the range on one of those? About like 20 yards. 20 yards? So you're, bow, you're bow hunting, basically. It's a, it's, it's a 22 blank that fires the projectile. Okay. I'm just yep. And they do, they do have some CO2 now that have considerably better range, but at the time... You know, with the way budgets were, that's all we could afford was mm-hmm. the 22 blank ones. Sure. <laughs> so that that just kind of helped to kindle that passion you you were developing for understanding. Yeah, so things. that um, experience with the whitetail there at Auburn gained me knowledge in not only the whitetail, but the nutrition that is needed to grow a whitetail. And uh, that led to meeting the folks at Analogics that really were just getting off the ground and needed a biologist to help um, get their story across. And here you are. Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you know, you work with several other, um, biologists there as well, don't you at Analogics? There, 
I'm really the only uh, true uh, like wildlife biologist. We have microbiologists, and then we have veterinarians. And the veterinarians are the ones with the nutrition backgrounds. Yeah. So they, they know, they understand a lot about biology, but really they're, they're um, veterinarians. Because that was one of the interesting things when we first met with, the, with Mark Fries and, and, and his dad and that, that whole group. I think uh, Reed was there that first meeting. It was interesting to see. We had never seen it kind of put the way that those guys did to us, mm-hmm. where it was laid out from uh, – uh, what does the, they had like a map of the country and it was like showing certain like mineral deficiencies in certain areas and what yeah. basically, you know, it's the, the items that a deer may need to kind of be healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the approach they took to it's, it kind of reminded me of like having uh, supplements or something for oh, a yeah. human, you, yeah. you know, I don't know if, is, is that kind of a good way to put it, Tim? A- absolutely. Every soil type across the u.s has a little bit different mineral profile and you can look in the individual minerals and see where you can you can see where the mississippi river is and you can see where the ohio river valley is just because of the nutrients that are in that soil but when you start stacking them up collectively you can see why boone and crockett deer come from where they do Hmm. it's because they have so much resources to grow big antlers well, one of our deer casters was wondering how he can best support the nutrition of his of his herd and wondering just how do you figure out what minerals and nutrients you need. So why don't we kick off our question of the day? Yeah, the question of the day is brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. Good afternoon. My name is Lonnie. My question is I have some deer that I've been trying to feed, and I bought some of that juice stuff from walmart and i noticed on some of my game cameras that a nice eight point book started coming up to it and searching for i guess the minerals and stuff that was in the juice because i put out a deer cane block i just recently went and bought some of that big and j and stuff like that i'm gonna try it put it on the cameras uh how do you know when the deer are missing some minerals and stuff far as close to being uh core land because i hunt here in tennessee and what would be the best solution? Cause I was reading also, you don't want to start feeding deer because then they get dependent on it. And corn is actually not a good, I guess for their digestive system. So what would be the best thing to feed them to build them up, build the antlers and also make the herd a lot better. Great. Yeah. Tim first reaction. What do you think? Uh, I thought that I put my phone on silent, but apparently I'm trying to get a call right now. So yeah. hang on. That's why we're not on Facebook Live. <laughs> you would have ruined it. <laughs> All right. Could have made so it that was a very, that's a very good question. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing off is I'm going to hit how, how do you know what they're missing? So we have a, uh, at, Analogics, at Analogics, there's a test kit that basically is uh, a liver analysis of the micro mineral profile of your deer. So you can do things like soil samples to figure out what your food plot plants are missing, but you can do this test that I'm referring to to figure out what literally your deer are missing. And it's gonna give you a full report of not only calcium and phosphorus, which a lot of guys talk about being important for antler growth, because if you if you ground up antlers, those are those are the number one and two ingredients, but it's also gonna give you 13 other minerals that are important to not only antler growth, but immune system function and basic body health. 
So Tim, it'll what, it'll be things like selenium and copper, manganese, zinc. You know. Yeah. So how do you suggest someone approach a deer in order to sample some of their liver? So they gotta have them dead on the ground. <laughs> Tim <laughs> and they. Tim Newman's <laughs> Tim Chelswick here thinks he's a funny guy. I was trying to be funny. It's just you, you gotta work but, with this guy every day. This well, is the deer has to be dead first. <laughs> Tim, you're so kind about that. I, that was really sweet of you for not yeah, being like. This is a post mortem analysis here. <laughs> Let's be clear. You have to be able to shoot a deer first. You get downwind. You better do it during the season get so you don't get in trouble. <laughs> Getting real close. All right. Now, pick up from there. <laughs> All right. So you're gutting the deer, and instead of leaving that liver to the crows and the coyotes, you just cut out about a fist-sized portion and put that in a plastic bag and put it in your freezer with the rest of the meat. Um, and then you order this mineral analysis package, and we send you a insulated shipper box that we then will have a return postage paid so you can just send it next day air ups to us and we'll analyze the micro mineral profile of that animal pretty slick actually yeah <laughs> what's the turnaround time on that test we've been getting them back within two weeks dang wow that's pretty quick what's the is there mm -hmm. a typical cost i think it's up right now it's at uh 130 dollars okay but cool. it's one of those um things that I don't know if you can get anywhere anywhere else, so you, you kind of get what you pay for. Yeah. Well, and so what, say somebody does this, they go through the process, they send it in, they get the results back. What do they do from there? What what can you actually do to change mm -hmm. some of that? You know, whatever the properties that that this test is saying kind of is in your dirt, and then you know that your the nutrients that your deer is getting. How can you even go about changing something like that? It seems pretty monumental. So yep, you can. You can supply those minerals in products directly to their nutritional program. So, say if they're missing copper, you can add mineral dirt 180 to your nutrition program, and it's going to give them the amount of copper that they would need to be healthy. Mm -hmm. So, you guys will make that recommendation. This is part of a continuing that? process. So, you um, can start at year one, and then the more years that you submit samples, you can start to see the progress that you're making with your program and obviously you can you can increase certain minerals by fertilizing your food plots correctively and filling the void that some of those plants are not getting and you, you can do that at a landscape scale I, I know guys that are shooting 200 inch deer in mississippi that are fertilizing their na native vegetation with helicopters because that's something that can improve the plants on that landscape more than just a small food plot scale and you see the results of it with the amount of antlers that they're growing i'd like to know their names and telephone numbers if that's if you can do that <laughs> that's a guy by the name of austin ashley and he's actually one of our pro staff the guy has an amazing ability to grow a big deer on bad soil it's mm. insane well so will you guys make those recommendations if someone if someone sends in a liver sample and you can see what the deficiencies are, will you do some interpretation, analysis, and recommendations for them as part of that process? Yes. Part of that package includes a consultation by myself, just laying down, here's what we saw. That's here's awesome. What, you know, this, this is what you're missing, and uh, here's the program I think you need to be on. 
that's that's really the key there because you can know it, but if you don't know how to institute a program to rectify it, it's just, it's just knowledge. It's not going to result in anything. I feel like that every time mm-hmm. I look at a soil sample. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> now what? <laughs> so. Okay. So uh, so so that's that's the the kind of liver analysis side. It, it, say like short of that. Are there ways that you can tell by a deer's anatomy or behavior or patterns on your property that can maybe give you clues as to what may be missing there? You can certainly look at the health of an animal and use that as a proxy to whether or not they're getting enough minerals. Mm-hmm. So you could, you could take things like body weight and have enough samples so that you can get an age body weight um, graph for your property so that you can tell, you know, well, this deer was four and a half years old and the estimated live weight was 220 pounds or you, you can just do it off of, um, dressed weight, but you can use weight to help you know if that deer was healthy at the time that it was harvested. And you can also look at things like the, the shine on their coat in, huh. In certain sun, sunny pictures, you can tell when a deer has that shine. Like, I know that's a healthy deer when I see that certain shine on their mm-hmm. coat. But there's also a, another process that you can do. It's called a kidney fat index. And it's basically weighing the amount of fat relative to the size of the kidney. Oh. And, and, and that's it's a little bit more of a technical process. But if any, any state biologist can help you with that process... And basically, you just cut the fat right by where the kidney is, and you get a ratio of kidney to fat. And it's a, it's a way of knowing the health of an animal. Hmm. So another part of his comment or question was, you know, do deer get dependent? If he, if he was going to start feeding yeah. them, you know, he, he had heard that if you feed them corn, that's not good for them, or they could get dependent on it or whatever. And I've actually heard that before as well. Is that kind of a misnomer or is that, you know, what are your thoughts there? Well, there's a right way and a wrong way to feed deer. And a lot of the state agency biologists only talk about the wrong way and only say, well, people are just going to feed corn and, and feeding corn is bad. Well, if you just fed corn to a herd of starving deer, yes, that would be bad for them. But if you incorporate a quality supplement feed early enough into the year that they're not dependent on that feed and it's just part of their um, natural forage throughout the year, then it's not going to negatively affect them. It'll actually improve them drastically. So if done wrong, it can be detrimental, but if done right, it can have greatly positive effects. It seems like people are getting a little more sophisticated with our, just the general deer hunting population is getting a little more sophisticated with our understanding of gut flora and like what is actually living inside those intestines because we know like from humans the kind of bacteria you have in your gut actually they metabolize vitamins for us and they synthesize vitamins for us the same thing with deer and 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 i I know like people talk about well if you just dump a pile of corn in the winter time for deer their guts may not be even able to accept all the nutrients from that so you're filling up their guts they feel full they don't have room for something that that their guts are really accustomed to and dialed in for that particular time of year i guess maybe talk a little bit about about kind of the the micro level of what's going on digestively that makes deer 
able to process certain forage at certain times a year. So basically what's going on there is that microflora is what is digesting their food. And if they have not had access to corn throughout the whole winter and they've been eating woody browse, their microbes are programmed at that point of the year to, to digest more fiber. And when you lay on a diet of that is high in carbohydrates and high in energy, the microbes just cannot adapt quickly enough. It usually takes about two to three weeks to change over that um, microbes that are inside their stomach. So if they cannot make that conversion fast enough, then they're, like you said, there are cases where deer will die with a full stomach of corn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what, what we do at, at Analogics is we formulate feeds with, with really powerful probiotics inside of the feed. So they're an inactive version of those microbes that once it gets um, inside the gut, then it's activated so that it can help digest the food immediately. And we're also mixing a, a diverse feed, so it's not a monoculture like a pile of corn would be. It, it's a whole mixture of things that have different levels of protein and might um, help different species of bacteria inside the gut. So it's a lot of thought has gone into this. And, you know, these nutritionists have PhDs in microbiology, and mm. they understand the what that flora needs inside the rumen. Well, and I always thought it was interesting, like, you know, Analogics is, is uh, a kind of a subsidiary, subsidiary of another company, and that other company is like one of the world-renowned veterinarian science, scientist labs, right, or something, something to that effect. Like, they're creating right. things for, you know, say swine flu outbreak happens somewhere or whatever. They, they're, they're on a much larger scale, so these Going guys, research, yeah, yeah, they really level. know what they're talking about. And, and the cool part was the owner and, and, and some of the other group in there, they had a passion for whitetails and a passion for hunting. So it kind of fed into this, this newer company, Analogics Farming. Is that, that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And at, at the time, um, in 2012, they had the number two vaccine company in the nation. And uh, they had a vaccine for EHD at that time. So these guys know a lot about whitetails. Wow. Tim, if someone maybe just picked up a piece of dirt and they're not quite sure what the deer need on it just yet, is there an analogics um uh, product that you would just kind of generally suggest to anyone just just as a base just go ahead and, and make sure your deer have this and then kind of get a little more dialed in on, on what they need yeah so the first thing is figure out what time of the year that it's legal to put out anything at all yeah, you know on. some some states you can only do that off season some states you can feed throughout the whole year so figure out what time of year it is if it's the winter Obviously, the supplemental feed, we call it anti-supplement gold, mm -hmm. is going to be the best option. That has minerals in it. It has probiotics. It has vitamins. It's, it's got essential oils in it that actually have antiviral capabilities, so they help boost their immune system function. And if you're talking in the summertime, that's, that's when minerals are really more important. So our product called Mineral Dirt 180 is a granular mineral. You know, you just pour it on the ground and in about a three-foot circle, and that is where you're going to have your best bang for the buck. Put about one mineral site per 80 acres is a is a good rough start. And it's it will the the part of that I love about it is a, it's a crazy attractant. Yeah. All of it is like I, anytime you put it out, your trail cameras are going to light, light up. up. 
They really do. Sweet. So from that perspective, especially in the summertime, just getting inventory, yeah. you know, during velvet, it's nice. Bring them in and boost their yeah. their nutrition. Health. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I often wondered how much a person say you have 150 acres, and you know, you feel like your deer herd it might be 20 to 30 deer, you know, that you feel like you kind of hold in, in and around your property realistically how much would you have to feed you know your herd in the summer months or in the off season here in the winter to actually make any kind of effect i often wondered that a real a real effect for that herd of the specific product that we include in all of our feed and minerals it's it's called anti shield tx4 i've been told that it takes about 5 to 6 ounces per animal per day to get the full benefit of it so if they're eating feed they should be able to get that um you know in two to three pounds of intake in a day Hmm. one animal but if they're if it's if you're looking at the mineral block they're going to have to sit and lick that mineral block a lot longer because that the nutrients are stuck in a block but the block was designed for longevity so that that the answer to that question depends on what they're eating. Sure. So they ha- they have to eat more of the minerals because they eat they they're licking it. They're not literally eating it like they would yeah. the supplemental feed. Makes sense. It it's kind of like it's one of the hallmarks for me when you ask someone who really knows what they're talking about. When you ask them a question, usually you get a more complex answer than what you expected. Yeah. Because there's so many factors that two that bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably not going to get that. <laughs> a lot of factors at play. I just want to know the amount of bags, Tim. Come on. Please, someone make the order for me. No, I, I use a lot of the, the jack that you guys sell just to add corn because it's just convenient for me. I don't really have a shed or a garage or, you know, it's on sure. a lease. So I got nowhere to house this stuff if I mm-hmm. buy it by the pallet or whatever. So I just buy it by the bag. And then, you know, I go to the local co-op get the corn Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's you know four or five bags at a time or whatever 10 bags whatever it depends on how many sites i got out in the summertime and then i'll add that jack you add a couple bags of jack is it is it one bag of jack per two bags of corn yes two two parts of jack for every part of corn so if you got a 50 pound bag of jack then you'd add 100 pounds of corn yeah so it's pretty it's pretty convenient because the the bags of jack are small i think those those are the ones that i use are like what are they 20 pound 10 pounds something like that 10 pound yeah and so it's it's the the biggest thing for me is i could house it in my garage sure and it's not taking up a lot of space and i don't have to worry about the big bags of corn so in my situation it's it's convenient is why i like it and you're still getting everything that you're getting out of this anti-supplement gold more or less Mm -hmm. isn't that correct yeah so yeah you're basically making your own anti-supplement gold by adding corn to jack yeah so it's pretty convenient right on I've been doing that for four or five, four or five years probably. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. Well, Tim, any other kind of parting wisdom for folks looking to make sure that they've that they're supporting their deer the best way they can? Like the the waiter coming around asking you how good your meal was when you get a mouthful of food. Speak. I I like to tell people to use supplements and minerals as a knee brace and not as a crutch. Mm. So you don't want to. Wait until the deer absolutely need it to give it to them. Yeah. If you 
if you can get out ahead of the worst part of the winter and get give them some feed before they really need it, it'll do so much better in the long run. And uh, it's just one part of the management puzzle. Some of these state agencies want to get after us for trying to feed deer to get healthy, thinking we're not doing things like habitat management and food plots and, and that sort of thing. Well, that's not the case. The people that feed the deer the most are doing those habitat management stuff as well. It's a comprehensive so approach. It's all part of the the pie. The big, it's just one part of the pie. It's kind of like, you know, Mossy Oak has that thing called the gamekeepers. Yeah. It's just one more kind of tool on your aspect of it. Tool chest, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Cool. Yep. Well, hopefully we answered Lonnie's question. It was a great one. I thought thanks. it was very good. Yeah. Thanks Lonnie for uh for calling that that one in. Um if you want to leave, and by the way, Lonnie gets a uh, Drury Outdoors ball cap for us using his question Lonnie. on the air. Hopefully we'll look at it. Maybe he'll send us a picture of him wearing his <laughs> cap behind a, a big big buck this coming fall. Absolutely. If you want to leave us a question, go to juryoutdoors.com slash podcast, and uh, the lower right-hand side of the screen, there'll be a leave voicemail tab. Click on that, and use, it'll use the microphone on your computer or your mobile device and leave us a question. Try to keep it you know, around one minute. Let us know who you are, where you're from, and if we answer it on the air, we'll give you a unworn new Dre Outdoors ball cap. Don't let him kid you. It's, I, he ships stuff out of, his, sweat off, stains out on of it. his office and he goes running with it. Lunch. It smells like shampoo. I was going to say something else. <laughs> nice job. Like something with you're you're filtering yourself. You're growing up. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> like always, you can check this podcast out over on YouTube or Deer, in DeerCast, uh, the DOD TV section. Um, and, you know, we're doing all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, both in DeerCast, original yeah. stuff around the farm giveaway. We're giving away a farm if, if you are under been hiding under a rock. We're giving away a farm this year. We're giving away tons of, of uh, product from our sponsors each month. In fact, in February, we just gave away two pallets of Analogics thanks to the folks there at Analogics. So I think March is a, is a really cool prize package from Biologics. Biologic. Yeah. So you could get all the seed you need for uh, this coming spring or fall. So uh, by all means, check it out over in the DeerCast app. And uh, we got a lot cooking here for this spring and turkey hunts, and um, we'll be we'll be sending out a bunch of new turkey hunts all spring long. So we uh, we got a lot coming up, and uh, hopefully you guys are staying tuned. Yeah, and if uh, if folks want to get a hold of Tim, we will uh, we'll include contact information in the notes on the you or him. Real Tim. Yeah. Tim Newman, the scientist. Tim. A fun fact, maybe not so fun. I wanted to be a wildlife biologist when I was growing up. But after two straight years of bouncing between the biology lab and the chemistry lab during my undergrad, I was like, screw this. Fun fact, I wanted to be Batman. Really? Yeah. That didn't work out either. Wanted, so past tense, you gave up on it. Well. It's you, coming. My dreams coming back because my son now wants to be Batman. Kind of so. live vicariously. Yeah. Heck yes. yeah, man! <laughs> so th- there's still a chance I could become a wildlife biologist. Batman, that ship may have sailed. Well, it really just depends on how bad you want it, Tim. <laughs> so. <laughs> so if you want to get a hold of Tim for any kind of consulting, or if you want some advice on products, we'll make sure that your uh, your email is hyperlinked up in our show notes. All right. Yes, and and you can always visit the Analogics website see if there's any frequently asked questions that that are already up there answered so what is that analogic outdoors Anal- it's analogics.com it's on the internet. easy enough yeah 
All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Tim, and wealth of knowledge as always. I know that he's our go-to source when we have questions, so it's kind of nice to to be able to have a source like that where you know it's legitimate. They're telling you the right information, and uh, there's science behind it. Let's have him back next week. It seems like – I'm I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but it seems like lately, especially on social media, we're seeing a lot of information that isn't very science-based. Around CWD, it's a very big rabbit hole. But yeah, you put it very nicely. But uh, but anyways, it's nice to kind of to to be able to talk to guys that are in the know and and involved in the research and know that there are real things happening out there and you can combat a lot of them with you know having a healthy deer herd. That's right. Anyways, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me again, guys. I sure appreciate it. See you, buddy. It's not like I would have been shed hunting anyways, right, with all the snow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys later. (laughs) See ya. This episode of DOD TV was brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. 